0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are going to talk, I think, just about one, well, mainly one game in our What Have We Been Playing game. I just got done (laughs) apologizing to Bill (laughs) about my behavior during this game because I was very cranky and I didn't mean to be, but I was. And so (laughs) we're going to get into why that was and how this game uh, affected me. And uh, and what it what it did to all of us. It is a it is a good game as well. Uh, the game is called Carpe
1: Diem. Yes, and we have discussed it, or at least I've brought it up before. I've played it a couple of times, two player and three player, uh, but this was Kaz's first experience with it, and it was my first experience in a four player game, which I found fi- found to be um, actually. S- Probably more fun, I love this game to begin with, but probably more fun with four players because it's very chaotic. Uh, with two players, it's, it's much more tactical um, and, and almost more streamlined, whereas with uh, the, the, the higher the player count gets, uh, the more chaotic it gets, but the more strategic, it goes away from tactics and more into strategy and just is, I think, just a, a ton more fun. Uh, yeah, because of the interaction, and there was a lot of like yelling at each other, and a lot of Kaz yelling, <laughs> just at yelling the, in general the at the game. <laughs> and he won by like ten or twenty points, and he's so mad the whole game. He's like, "I didn't mean to do that. I don't even understand this. What's going on? What is that?" And I'm like, "Dude, you're winning. Just stop. Just be happy." How do I know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So this is a, this is a Steffenfeld game. It is. Um, I think he has he has one game that came out or maybe is coming out this year, but the, I believe this is, uh, the, besides that, this is his most recent game. It's Ravensburger is the publisher, among a few others, uh, which we've been actually talking about, because a few others, we talked about this last time, There's the other publishers sort of redid the art a little bit here and there, and there are... Um, three editions of the game that have slightly different boards but it is basically the same game throughout all editions but anyway so it feels very much like a Steffenfeld game uh, if you're not familiar with Steffenfeld, I don't know how you're not but if uh, his games are uh, Castles of Burgundy among many others but that's probably the one that Gets bandied about the most lately.
1: Yeah, he's (laughs) very into point salad. Uh, Very euro. Yeah, lots of um, yeah. Definitely, uh, most of his stuff is very dry in uh, in appearance, and uh, they're they're all these kind of usually like medium weight euros. Uh, Nothing super heavy, but um, rarely super light. Uh, His games can be very very punishing if you don't if you make a mistake. Um, right. and it, he, he's one of the few publishers that consistently, um, you can lose, uh, lots of points in certain ways. Cause like in this one, you start out with, uh, like nine, 10, 11, uh, victory points because it's kind of expected that if you don't score, both scoring cards uh, that you choose that you're gonna lose four points for each card so it's expected that you're gonna start losing victory points before you gain them sure so it's one of those weird you don't really see that in too many other public or too many other designers at least not that I've seen uh he tends to be a lot more punishing and does more negative rewarding than he does. Uh, positive, rewarding, but um, that's just kind of his style. His stuff's usually very strategic, uh, very tactical. But at the same time, you always feel like you have—it is that point sality
0: comes through. You feel like you have just so many options. And oh, yeah. like the, I've only played uh, this one, Castles Burgundy, and I'm trying to remember if I've played anything else of else of his. But there's a Felt feel to all his games, but they're by no means. Um, the same game, like they're very, they're very different. It's just you can kind of get a sense of of his design style because in those both of those games, and, and there's a sense of a lot of options at the, at the beginning, and as the rounds progress, it diminishes and diminishes and diminishes, and gets tighter and tighter and tighter and more tense and more you get more frantic um, about getting the tile you want, and the decisions become harder because it's getting the thing you need at the right time. Do I get this now? But I know they might want that. Show what is more important to me. And so it's this really cool sense of, like, as the round continues, feeling like your options are more important, or your choices are more important. But there still feels like you have strategy options, but, man, the decisions are hard as it gets to the last round.
1: But there's so many options, I think, is is the the big thing, is that when you first take—you're sitting there deciding which tile to build first. You could literally build anything. Uh, Yeah. Not anything in the world, but anything in this game. So, I mean, you have right off the bat— a dozen different options that are all influenced by these scoring cards that uh, are going to be different every single time you play the game. There's like 70 scoring cards, and you only use like nine or ten of them per game. So it's just this ridiculous replayability and variability. And but it doesn't it doesn't force you to just pay attention to the scoring cards because right. any of the other options that you have to do. Uh, there's a lot of ways to like convert things to other things that can be substituted for other things that can help you score the scorecards. So, that, so you can really do anything. And that's what really, you're never going to play this game and start, you know, the first few moves are always the same. Uh, they're, they're never going to be the same. Uh, you could play it 100 times, and you probably wouldn't take the same first tile ever.
0: Yeah, the, the scoring, that was really, I was thinking about, I was reflecting on this game today about um, the phases of it. And that's, it's such a cool, that felt really cool. So you're kind of, like like in a lot of them, but I think definitely in this one, the theme does feel more pasted on. Not pieces on, but just doesn't feel like...
1: I don't think there's really. I don't yeah. consider there to even be a theme. Exactly. On I this. mean, it's, it's, I
0: don't. I couldn't even tell you what it is. There's a Roman marketplace on the cover. I don't really know exactly how that even you're ties like, into this, but
1: you're like building your city district yeah. with like agricultural things or you're building so villas I, and
0: vineyards and um, yeah, you know these. Uh, chicken runs, you're, you're building all this stuff, but there's not really... Anyway, it yeah. evaporates quickly once the game starts. It's but, the
1: definition of a euro. Yeah. It, it just has no... It doesn't have a theme.
0: Which is part of the reason why I was getting frustrated because I was trying to in, be informed, of, remind myself, because each Sevenfeld is also very well known for taking mechanisms and kind of twisting them 20 degrees to a, a different direction, where it's like it's like, oh, I understand how this works, but no, you don't, because he does it a little differently, which is great because his games always feel really interesting to engage with but i'm just getting frustrated because a lot of times i'll play a game and if i like within the theme things that you can do in the game make sense like if it's a space game it's like uh, I need to get oxygen because clearly oxygen allows me to do this. But this game, it's like, I need to get a loaf of bread because li- clearly a loaf of bread lets me build any building I want. And so, like, anyway, what? so I was like, what? <laughs> so anyway, that was my part of my frustration. But what's really cool about it is you have this building phase or the city district building phase. And then at the end of the round, you have a scoring phase. And the scoring phase, like Bill was saying, is how many cards are out? It's uh, different on player count.
1: Yeah, it can be yeah. like between 9 and 12, I think.
0: And so we were with 4, we were playing with all the 12. And so you have these really these cards that are laid out, and they'll tell you, um, you know, you score for your chickens and uh, vineyards, uh, any resources you have, or all of these different resources you have, or your buildings you have. But the way you place is very unique, and you have to basically claim a scoring spot that is for that round and that round only
1: and it's gone for the whole game and it's gone after that
0: you score it no one else can and then but it can also negatively impact you and so it's this really cool thing of you've got a strategy when you're compiling your city district and you can score towards that strategy as well but sometimes there's not a perfect scoring option at the end of the round so it's you have to kind of that's a game in and of itself of is of potentially blocking someone who you know that is their strategy to offset them without damaging yourself too much, or um, scoring something that might score better if you continue with that strategy, but someone else might score that ahead of you. So it's a, it's a secondary game within a game, which is really, really interesting, but very satisfying. And, and quicker than it's. I'm probably making it sound.
1: Yeah, it, it actually... It's, it's a surprisingly quick game for being as just out there as as it is it uh, it seems very involved initially um it probably takes almost as long to explain it right off the bat than it does to play a couple rounds of it sure um and, and especially once like it took us probably i think an hour hour and a half maybe yeah, hour and a half about right, yeah. um but i think that if the four of us now know how to play it and we were to sit down we could do it in under an hour for sure yeah um so it's uh it it plays surprisingly quick for such a, a deep rich game um and i to two big thumbs up for me the more i play this the more the more i like it uh, i was intrigued at first but now i'm i'm kind of addicted yeah I, w- I definitely want to play this again i just
0: i was getting so frustrated because I uh, <laughs> There's just a couple things I just couldn't get through my head of what they did. And there's different buildings that f- some um, buildings, the way they fire off and do things for you, you're basically buying mostly parts of buildings and you have to complete them to have them do anything. And then there are a few though that just give you things. Um, and so, I, for some reason, I just was not connecting the dots in functionality of um, those sequence of events and how to make them a cohesive strategy. So, I, I end up sticking with a few strategies that I did get, which worked out for me, but um, I'm excited to play again because there are so many options in this game to pursue. And they're all really interesting and fun. And the kind of the cool thing, I was thinking about this today about Steffenfeld, like, what makes it unique? It's, it's like all of his strategic options the, the buildings you can build they all do something none of them are like overly powerful but they're all about the same power kind of doing similar things if you think about it it's just the way they do it is unique one building gives you a uh, the pool gives you uh pawns give you a card to draft which is just victory points and you can exchange that in certain ways um the other one just gives you wild card goods um the bread is amazingly powerful for some reason the bakery is like the best building you can ever build
1: yeah yeah bread <laughs> bread is like super <laughs> amazingly good like bread lets you do stuff that like gold doesn't uh gold is just wild so you're like oh i have gold but bread really actually helps you do in. way more stuff way more useful uh, which is super weird because can't you just buy bread with gold it's <laughs> no like, again not thematic i have never had but, bread uh, like this yeah, I, to me, what makes Steffenfeld un- uh, Steffenfeld is um, just the the sometimes brutal, punishing nature of of some of his games. In addition to the just vast choices that you have, um, none of his games are on rails. Yeah, uh, they're all uh, very very tactical and very strategic, and um, just uh, they're uniquely. St- Steffen Feld. nobody designs games like he does i Which don't is, love them all yeah <laughs> but uh, there's quite a few actually that um i don't consider to be masterpieces but i mean that's me personally um but this is a great game
0: yeah i i would definitely second that for sure i i'm very excited to try this again and um it's you know that's so much more impressive too to have like his games do feel loose like in that way where it is a euro like you said it's not on rails but there's i don't know compared to a lot of euro games it just feels like feels like so many with so many options out there even if they can bite you it's exciting (laughs) it's exciting to try them
1: yeah and you never know either like at the end of the game the game's over and everyone's counting and you're like okay that's two. yeah i could either end up with a hundred points or 30 points (laughs) and kaz is gonna have either a (laughs) hundred points or five points i have no idea and uh, so it, it really is, you feel like you're in it all the way to the end. Although, actually, I, I take that back. You kind of feel like you're probably not going to win right. the entire game, even if you do win. So yes, nobody that, yeah. thinks they're going to win. It's instead of one of those things where you're like, oh, I can win, and then the guy next to me thinks he can win, and the guy <laughs> next to him thinks he can win, everyone's just thinking, oh, Second or third place, and right. then whoever gets first is like, "Yay! Oh, cool! I did it!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything worked the way I hoped it would." Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree, and that's actually one of the greatest things about it. It was that there's no like point tracker on the board where you can kind of be like, "All right, well, we got to catch up to this guy," which is fine, uh, but which is so much better actually because I just I, the more and more we play games, the more I play games, I just I like not knowing. Because um, you, you can get a sense of who's doing well. You don't necessarily need a literal marker saying, I am the leader, fight me, <laughs> or right. try to distract me. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of games are better for that. But I just love this, and uh, Castle's Burgundy is a similar where it's kind of like, or no, that has, I'm trying to remember, I haven't played that a bit. Does that have a point
1: tracker on the board? Yeah, I think it has a point tracker, but it also has a lot of other ways to Yeah, there's like at the end game scoring, points. Though, yeah, so it's it, so. it It's also one of those games where, you um, And I think this is kind of in all of Feld's games where uh, you you don't know at the end quite where you stand with everybody. You have an idea that you're in it, but you could be winning. You could be in first (laughs) or last. You're not 100% sure, and you would not want to put money on it.
0: Right. Yeah, and there's just fun things to reveal at the end in different ways as well. Um, so, yeah, Carby Diem, really, um, you know, we stand by everything we said in the previous episode. We talked about it, about uh, some of the art design, but it is definitely Super worth ugly. playing it's very ugly it's definitely worth playing and um if you have options for the edition you look for uh, the one bill owns is the first edition and we were looking at a comparison video today and i don't know i think we're both in the same idea that that's probably the best one i, I think I, even yeah. with the changes it's still better
1: than the. Other i would ones. rather have if i had the choice of of both of them right in front of me i would choose the first printing um the second printing um the the primary benefit to it is it is a little um more distinct as far as some of the coloring on some of the pieces so it's a little bit easier to distinguish like one building from another or one tile from another um but it does away with the crossing star mechanism that we talked about in a previous episode that i really like uh the second edition does away with that and that's not really something i would want to to abandon so uh, yeah i'm a first first edition guy
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, if you do get the second edition, you could just literally draw the paths onto your board, and I would recommend <laughs> it, because it's so much more exciting than the way they changed it, too. It seems like they changed it for clarity, but it's not that complicated, and it's so much more fun to think of your kind of bouncing around that those options as, like, yeah. you know, I don't know, you're on a little trail trying to find someone to build your building or whatever the theme is explaining that you're doing it's just it just feels more fun to play it that way for yes. sure.
1: all right well we will not beat this dead horse anymore i think <laughs> we we have a
0: seize the day as they say yes. let's get to the rest of the podcast we
1: have a guest coming up that yes i'm super excited
0: for. we are going to end it there and yeah and we're gonna jump right into our next segment uh, we have an interview today and um here we go Uh, today we have a special guest with us on the podcast. Uh, she is a game designer, a game publisher, and uh, that is uh, ma- a few of them. I'm sure the many things that this guest is. Uh, please welcome Carla Kopp. Carla, how are you? Uh, I am doing great. Thank you for joining us today. I'm I'm sure you could expand more than I did on your intro, <laughs> that brief intro. But welcome. This is Kaz talking. Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, I'm. This
0: is Kaz talking. Bill is with me as well.
1: Yep. Um, so, Carla, uh, the, this is Bill. Uh, if you just want to let everybody, um, who's listening here who may not be familiar with, uh, you and Weird Draft Games, um, we certainly are. If you want to, kind of give a brief rundown on uh, your company, kind of what you're about, and um, just a, a introduction, that would be great. Yeah, I actually did, did notice that. I've uh, I've backed um, Animal Kingdoms and uh, Big Easy Busking, and that was actually one of the the reasons that I was drawn to it is uh, is the fact that it's not just uh, two to four players. And then kind of going over some of the other ones like Fire in the Library, and they all kind of seem to hit that uh upper player count which i think is is awesome there's so many games out now that you just pull out and you're like all right oh two to four okay (laughs) well there's five of us what are we gonna do so i think that's very cool sure (laughs) Oh, exactly, exactly, and there are a lot of games, an unfortunate amount of games that um, those those higher player counts. It kind of seems like they're sort of tossed in there and not play tested very well. So
0: yeah, they like fall like you said. You suddenly get the sixth, fifth, or sixth player, and then it's like, wow, this is a totally different game and not nearly as fun as the smaller count. So, Carla, one of the reasons we we're really excited to talk to you is you—you've have I, I could say by all accounts a pretty successful Kickstarter run with your games. You've been doing it since um, about 2016, right? That's when uh, Superhack Override came out initially. Yeah. So we we were really curious in just talking to you about your, uh, of course, as a designer and a publisher, but but specifically about your experiences around the ups and downs of of Kickstarter and where you kind of. Um, See yourself, maybe the future and experiences you've had. So we thought we'd start off with just, um, you know, lessons learned. If you had to uh, look back and think of doing things differently or giving yourself some advice from the future, what, what would you what would you say? Sure. Yeah. So in a way, like trying to enjoy the fact that you are—I mean, it's hard work, but you are—you know—you're doing the thing you wanted to do. You're getting this game out. You're publishing it. It's happening. So enjoy the the ups on the right versus obsessing about what you said the to-do list. That's I like. I like that. That's good advice. I'm uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. So,
1: Carlo, what uh, what do you think? Yeah, I know you're talking about just now how uh, Kickstarter is is insanely difficult, and that's kind of everything that. I've gotten very stressful and there's a lot going on. What do you think, uh, like what do you find personally to be the most difficult part of running a successful Kickstarter campaign?
2: I can get a lot of things done without like thinking about it. So just making things super easy um, so you can go from one thing to the next thing to the next and actually accomplish things um, without all the panic and despair.
1: And, uh, <laughs> but that's the best part, right? <laughs> <laughs> the despair and the emotional angst. Uh, what's up? So I, I know you probably learned just a ton of things uh with these Kickstarter campaigns and I know a lot of them are probably real self-explanatory but what would you say is like a a counterintuitive lesson that you learned on Kickstarter something that just initially you were like oh well this has to be this way then you find out is completely different do you have anything like that
2: people that are actually on Kickstarter and, like, surfing pages and, like, randomly clicking on things, like, they won't actually back your project unless they think it's going to be successful, unless it, like, looks really good, unless there's already a lot of people there, you're not going to get more backers. Like, Kickstarter will really, like, help you out if you're already successful. But once you, like, get off that success train, then it'll you out, it'll stop like um, showing your campaign to new people, so you basically have to like keep bringing in people all the time so that you can keep getting backers. And if it ever stops, then Kickstarter won't give you any more backers, which is like it's really weird. Like, you would think that people would be more willing to back these projects that haven't funded yet, but that's not psychology,
1: so. <laughs> you- Yeah, I've actually I've noticed that with a, a lot of campaigns, it's it's like I need money in order to fund art or whatever, but it, without art, you can't. Nobody will back you. So, it, yeah, that it, it does seem super counterintuitive, but I know exactly what you mean. So. Oh, wow. It oh, works out, and we can get that
2: other part that's needed to actually manufacture it, which is also where, like, all the stress and stuff comes in, because, like, you have to get all the graphics and get all the illustrations and spend, you know, countless hours playtesting and
0: editing the rules and all that. How is that, um, Is that a combination of, like, your expenses taking this? Or how? actually, tell me what the combination and percentages of, of just, like, artwork, things that are directly related to the uh, getting the game ready for presentation versus you guys going to cons. Um, it's probably changed over the years as you guys have grown, but let's say for earlier games, how much is spent just physically getting the game in front of people and creating buzz at, like, conventions or in other ways versus actually funding getting the game presentable for kickstarter. Currently I mean, like, it really depends on the game and the size of the game. Sure. sure to get all these copies to send to reviewers um but i also go a little overboard on reviewers
2: um kickstarter campaigns have like between 3 and maybe 5 or 7 reviews and i tend to give more than 10 oh wow
0: <laughs> right. like, oh yeah, maybe I should think about like not sending multiple games to the same area of the country that Right, right. Um, or like yeah, like, like people getting laid off. It's like, of course
2: you don't have to do that review. You're job searching and I can you know have some sort of empathy like get it
0: get it done when you get it done. Is that something that yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. So I never even actually thought about that. Just outside of things, anything that can happen, there's just acts of nature that could come that could just disrupt that. Is that something you've kind of developed lately, or has that always been a policy, or was that a a lesson learned through the hurricane fiasco? Sure. Um, but you can't know when or why or where. Um, so I
2: always kind of like do a little more, and because I've done that, it just like reinforced this whole idea of okay, m- much more can go wrong than I think. Um, like for Big Easy Busking, I think three or four prototype copies got lost in the mail
0: somewhere. <sighs> oh, wow. Wow! Yeah, that's that's crazy. Maybe your game, maybe your game's just really popular with postal service workers. Maybe there's an <laughs> untapped market that.
1: It's another one from weird draft games. Let's get it. Yeah,
0: that's that would be infuriating though, especially you kind of wonder if you're almost being messed with after like once, okay, twice. That's crazy, and then three times. That's bizarre, but. <laughs>
2: Two weeks when I should have just been like, oh, okay, I'll just, you know, order more things so that you can definitely have this
0: copy ready in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah hedge your bets a bit. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um So I had another question, kind of tied into that, your relationship with other re- reviewers and the community in general is um like how how important, especially when you're getting started. Would you say building that community around you and your brand? is or was in your experience and uh what are some i don't know unconventional ways that you've you've approached this to uh just you know make relationships and also help get the word out about your game or business in general
1: Thank you. And that, like, things
2: <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the components are good because, you know, if you don't have a lot of motor function, like, I want you to still be able to enjoy yourself. Sure.
1: Seattle and I hope to do it in Denver and New York in the later half of the year. Oh, nice. So it's been really nice just to like get to know a lot more people. Really good. Yeah, we're we're actually we're in Denver, so uh definitely let us know. We'll uh we'll show you around and Yeah, we'll, we'll play some games as yeah, well. Bring you to our group. We have a pretty good uh game group that's uh Pretty big. We meet at a, a brewery every every week. So uh, if you like beer and you like games, then... Uh, or even
0: if you don't like beer. <laughs> right,
1: but as long to as be you honest. like games. You do have to like games or else you're probably not Right, welcome. that is the yeah. one criteria. Yeah. So... um, I'm pretty sad if I didn't like games. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. This would <laughs> be a would be weird amazing, interview. Actually. you got to
0: wonder if there's any design. There's got to be, right? Probably the big comp- some big company designer. Probably. Um,
1: so uh, the next few questions I have are, are probably a little more focused um, on your life as a just as a publisher and a designer in general um as a publisher like how do you know that you've got a winner on your hands like what do you get excited about um you know that you're like oh this is the game that i want to take to market because it's i imagine it's just a huge ordeal to pick a game and go all the way through the kickstarter process like what what jumps out at you and gets you excited about new designs
0: Sure, yeah. <laughs>
2: not like regular and i guess well to me boring it has to bring something new like there has to be a
1: reason why i want to actually make the game well, that totally makes sense um so just on a brief side note what's uh where did the name just out of curiosity where did weird Draft games the name come from
2: <laughs> um, but, like, for definitions of creative, I guess. Um I wanted it to be called Okapi Games because I'm really into Okapis, and I thought I was being super clever with my name, and that didn't really fly. <laughs> 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 I just did not get better with artwork. <laughs> well, because my artwork is um in paint and I know not have pixelate things like I I like learned how to do this like back in the day when it was like web graphics and they were all moving and pixelated. I'm really good at that. Um uh, not any other kind of artistic. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, okay, what other name could I put with this logo to make it like to Make a game company. So I did Weird Draft Games because the okapi is the only relative of the draft, and
0: it's kind of weird. So- oh, okay, that's really cool. That explains. It. I was because your your logo is a, a pixelated image, and it's. Yeah, I thought it was a mashup. I actually didn't even think about okapis, but now that you say it it's, it's like, oh yeah, of course. But it has that zebra stripes tour on the back hindquarters and leg and I was like, man, that is an interesting animal. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I like how that was your second like you did not you did not let go of the okapi. You came back and were like, "No, we'll find a way to get this in here." <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, And they have my shirt because they going to brag like the Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. It's opening doors. That's amazing. Yeah, more people in board games now
2: than the general populace, just because we're draft games. Like <laughs> I have to explain like
0: what the Oh yeah, we saw that. Pixelated font is hard to read apparently, and I've very tired of hearing
1: third draft games. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an epidemic. It's it's yeah, it's it's uh You think they'd um, be better at it cuz they were around when pixels were in their heyday, pixelated art, so Pixels are still cool. <laughs> I agree so, but. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Um So, uh, what do you as a publisher find uh, easier to market? Uh, Is it an original theme or like an original mechanism?
2: Yeah. I mean, music games, but there's not like. I can't think of like very many like New Orleans games or any games about bus game. Um So I thought that would be really cool and it would have like the crossover of people that like music or buskers or New Orleans. Like they all like the game. But it's actually
0: been like one of our least popular games. Oh, really? At the moment, at least. Um, so we'll see about
2: that once I actually get the games in. Because like, once I can show people like if I'm at a con, I think I can really sell Big Easy Bus Game just because people will see the components and see all the bright colors that are reminiscent of New Orleans. So maybe that will turn around and I can come back on in six months and say, like, oh, yeah, right! <laughs> but, yeah, it really, you have to get the right theme that is really, like, popular at the time. Um, and sometimes, like, even original gameplay mechanisms are hard you have to be able to really explain something in like 30 seconds sure you can't explain it in 30 seconds like well especially at cons and stuff like that um people are walking by and then they're gone and their attention is lost so anything that's original that you can
1: explain very easily awesome yeah but a uh, side story on big easy busking i'm actually uh i was raised in louisiana so I have a lot of fond memories that's like one of the Biggest reason. As soon as you started putting this together on Twitter, I'm like, oh, I have to have it. But I remember uh, one of the first threads when you started mentioning the idea. I remember there was uh, on Twitter like a dozen or so people that are like, what's busking? And you're like, oh, (laughs) maybe my theme is too original. (laughs) Because, yeah, like there were plenty of people who and, and I would never have thought that that's not just like a commonly known word but people are like, "Well, what's a busker and what's busking?" So, oh yeah. So, well, game design in general has taught me a lot of what I think is common knowledge actually is not. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> I, I suppose it could be big comma easy <laughs> comma busking. It's busking. that's both big and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's funny. and like oh. <laughs> 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 that's really funny. That's really funny. I, I, that's amazing. that They even went through the playthrough and were like, had their eureka moment <laughs> after the fact.
1: oh uh, that's, yeah, that's, sometimes I guess the, uh, the theme can be too original. Um,
0: Oh, interesting. So if they, yeah, if they thought it was very thematic, they probably lived in New Orleans. <laughs> New
2: Zealand, probably the South. Um if they thought it was like really dry, not thematic at all, maybe they
1: lived on like the West Coast. <laughs> I could I can see that actually. Uh it's it has a very unique art style. I think it looks absolutely yeah, gorgeous of a beautiful game. I'm looking forward to it. Like really looking forward to it. So um
0: Actually, I have a quick side question about that kind of tied into because like one of the things that's cool about your games is that they all are very distinct art style wise. They have especially Big, big Z Bucks busking, but I would say even Dreams of Tomorrow. Um, they're they're vibrant and they look really uniquely done. How are you just have over the years connected with a lot of artists? Do you have artists that you reach out to or how, how do you kind of get around or find access to the artwork?
2: going to have her be like the exclusive weird draft game script designer. Oh cool. Um, but for the artist it really um like you have to find somebody that does the right style but then I have to like really tell them
0: like hey I want this I want this style. Yeah. Can you give an example of like how that interaction would work like specific like busy busking is a very um, uh, the style is like very over the top exciting it feels like there's a lot of action in these static images so is that a game where you had to kind of clarify more than once to get there or were you kind of there immediately or is there another game that's more of an, an apt example of that back and forth. Sure. You said
1: you're from New Orleans,
0: so Bill is, yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. right yeah no no doubt it's definitely that is a a vibrant town uh so i think you captured it really really well so uh excellent choice on that one um so uh kind of moving on to more like from a designer perspective when you design a game uh what do you usually start with a theme or mechanism
0: Oh, interesting. Hmm. So, like, I have to have, like, the overall, like,
2: feeling or what's going on in the game. Like, I can't just be like, oh, yeah, this will be a dinosaur game. Or this will be, like, a Rondell game. I have to have, like, the who and the what and the why. Um, or just, like, what I want the like, how I want the player interactions to be. Um, so, like, for instance, I made, um, the last game I designed was Puffins Love Muck. <laughs> muffins, muffins, of course, but they're making muffins for all their friends because, like, it's a big muffin colony and we're all helping each other out. And you know, like, mean, whenever you make muffins, like,
0: you can't eat all the muffins, okay? Like, you just eat all these. Like, right, right. <laughs> That's really cool. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> that game
0: sounds awesome. I would love to play that game. I so would... is it like I I've I'm just imagining. Not like immediately in my head. I'm just imagining bake, uh muffin or puffin bakeries just churning out. My mom was uh, speaking of ties. We've had weird ties to your games. My mom was a baker when I was born, and I spent a lot of time in a bakery with fond memories. And I would be <laughs> overjoyed to see any cute bird making muffins um that's really interesting so each of your games were kind of an experience that you had that you would did like it was it like a you're like oh this is a fun thing or an interesting thing to happen i'm gonna think about designing around this or is it just as you're thinking about design you're recollecting about i don't know interesting experience or events or areas Uh, i'm kind of curious the order of that that the insight comes in Sure. So you kind of get the feel, like you have a sense of how you want the game to feel, and then you design around that. Yeah. Well, uh, like, if you know how you want the game to feel, you can kind of like be like, okay, what what mechanics sure. you go along with this, and how would you like, how would you achieve this feeling? Sure. I like that. That's a really that's a really great way to approach it. I think because I think a lot of games, uh, I'm sure we've all played games where you come into it thinking how you imagine the game will feel to play and you're let down or you're happily surprised but there's been a lot of times where you're like oh this doesn't feel anything like this theme or how I'd hoped this theme would feel um, that's re- that's really interesting
1: um, so uh, I personally uh, when, when I design uh, I usually find that uh, the first designs that I come up with are usually either a lot lighter or a lot heavier than they end up being um, with your games, how do you know like, when the right time is to stop adding or subtracting from a game? And how do you know when it's just like that Goldilocks just right?
2: <laughs> do the, and just leave the rest, like, like just pick the best five sure and have the spreadsheet like just there for like if i actually play and i'm like oh this ability isn't as good as i wanted so let's go to make a spreadsheet and just choose another one and swap it in and see if that one's better um but with like the plain play testing that tends to strip out like a lot of extra stuff mainly because um i'm not really that The rules kind of in front already of this and this they get kind of it, answered um, that rule wrong. So, so I'll on. go back to the drawing board And rephrase it And basically if I rephrase it three times And then I just I can't do it right I'm like okay what if this wasn't here Because like If I can't explain it I either have to like keep Blind play testing this stupid
1: rule <laughs> Or I can't it right. And then the problem is solved Right <laughs> <laughs> That is a good way to look at it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, just kind of to touch on.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned as you're designing around a publisher. Uh, okay. So uh, kind of in line with as a publisher, um, like when you get a pitch, how do you how do you know like how? First of all, how often are you do you get pitches or is that something you guys do a lot of um, getting open pitches? And then what catches your eye with pitches from other designers? Uh, what is it? You kind of answered thie player game in that sense, is it also the feel or is it different when you're hearing someone else's pitch to you? So pitches are real hard. Okay. Yeah. They're so hard. Because
2: uh um, well I get lots of emails, I get lots of people walking up to me at times. Like I get a lot more
1: pitches than you would think, like probably like one a day. Oh wow. Oh. Wow. <laughs> um, that actually respond like they
0: say like hey Carla and I mean that's fantastic I love it when people actually know who I am instead of like hey publisher <laughs> hey faceless <laughs> developer
1: yeah greetings weird giraffe games <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, like, it's so hard like I wish like, like I could just tell people like hey don't pitch to me if you don't know me
2: Like <laughs> has, like, addressed the email, sure. whether it will be a good fit or not. Like, if they reference my cat, it might, like, it's <laughs> a
0: possibility that I will like the email. If they say, hey, sir, or something like a friend, it probably has saved that in the game, and I'll hate it. Dear Carl. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could totally get that, where it's just more of a blind, you're more of a means to an end than any relationship building that's going on. Um, so once you do get the in- involved or you get past the main communication stage and you start looking at games from people bringing games to you, is there something you look for It kind of fit? I mean, probably not things specific, but what's the feel you're looking for? Um, is it something in line with what you guys are doing with, you know, you mentioned player counts, accessibility, of course. Um, are you trying to stay in line with that from other games coming in or is it more, I don't know, I guess I'd ask you, what, what is the thing that you're looking for from uh, designers bringing games to you that might work uh, game-wise? So with player count, accessibility, I know how to do that. Sure. Sure. Because, like, when I sign a game, that game is going to go through development. Like, I'm not just going to sign it and be like, oh yeah, this is great as it
2: is, let's slap some art on this and be done with it. Um, I'm going to play that game a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I will, like, one, it has to be something that I can see myself playing, like, a hundred times. Um Like, well, that's just a fact. Sure. to work with and be excited to be like oh, okay I play tested again and this is what I thought and here's like a big garbage of my thought process because I do this I make like a ton of notes while play testing and then I'll go to the designer and I'll be like here's my thought dump <laughs> and
0: get back to me like in a day or something when you can like process all those words I sent to you. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. As there I mean I'm assuming that's, you know, that's hard as a as a designer to, you know, you can cling to things or be open to dropping things. I guess you can be open to the redesign process or not. And so is that something that's gotten easier over the years as you've gotten more experience with that? Is it still hard to have that back and forth? And I know it depends on who you're working with, but how has that yeah. developed? So, it's gotten a lot easier for me to like tell if people are open to that. Like- sure.
2: <laughs> I know that they can't deal with that. Um, but if they like get excited and like start like going back and forth with me or like say something or write down the things I say, like any sort of thing that would tell me like, hey, they're actually like listening to my voice and uh, like hearing it in their head and then like responding like I would want somebody to
0: respond, then that's like a great sign. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's so hard to get that back and forth. Um, I imagine your position as the publisher—you know—you're putting a lot of on the line for this game, and you'd hope that you can work together to get something you're both happy with um, at the end result. So,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, well, Carla, we absolutely. Appreciate your time today. I just have one last question, um, and that's uh, what's the what's the next Kickstarter for weird draft games?
0: Please say puffins making muffins. Is that coming? <laughs> is that are you developing that? Like, is that on the? Are you is that coming out or is that something that's? I mean, that's, it's not on the schedule yet, it's uh, <laughs> a game that I have and I've been playing, and it, it has to get better. All right, okay, okay, so, all right. About, okay. <laughs> Oh (laughs) that's hilarious. (laughs) I
1: I am also shocked at that. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me want to play it actually even more. Even more,
0: yes. (laughs) The dense, a super dense gyro. Cute, but the art would have to be so cute and light, and it's just so dense, these puffins really (laughs) just building an amazing engine building system around getting these muffins. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, as a publisher, that is definitely important. because If somebody is like, oh, puffin's love muffin, that's kind of like exploding kittens, right? Sure, yeah.
1: Ooh. Uh, yeah, those people will be very disappointed if they thought they were getting, like, unstable unicorns or exploding kittens. <laughs>
2: Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I should just go with my heart <laughs> and along with, uh, more like, well, in my mind it's more medium white than, than heavy. Um, just a, but it's, it's definitely not like super light. Or if I should make the game that people assume that Puffin's Love Muffins is. Because there is that that it is something...
1: And cute and adorable. Be an adorable maker? yeah yeah but you're you're weird draft games you're do you do stuff differently <laughs> well, you know, I gonna em- say embrace that i i think you should you should go with your heart go with your gut and make a medium weight euro game about puffins loving muffins
0: i totally get what you're saying though about that like the, the expectation of that like the name is, but I always wonder if you could counteract that with the art, like if in the art, there's just a serious puffin really mulling something over that'll maybe be an indicator, <laughs> these puffins are serious, even though they 're cute, <laughs> yeah, there you go, just directly state it, <laughs>
1: love it. I,
0: I think i would be like i don't know what this is but i have to play this game i would look at the publisher and oh, i would say
1: true. oh weird draft games that's true i'm in
0: so beyond beyond puffins uh the puffins love buffins um what else do you have that's coming up on the docket you just finished big easy busking pretty recently and um what else came out this year dreams of tomorrow also was this year uh, and i see i'm just pulled up uh, your bgg pages to refresh myself and it looks like degrees of darkness is coming up uh i don't know anything about that game is that the next one that's kind of coming down the pike that's like three games from now. oh wow okay so i don't know why that one's there oh <laughs> it's a mystery
1: Ah. Uh. They're very particular that they are.
0: <laughs> okay. It is a game about giving tulips to each other at um the Amsterdam tulip festival. Oh, cool. Hmm. Okay. So you win if you give away. Oh, cool. It sure. Take that. I like games with people I enjoy being Sure.
1: Same. Um, yeah, we very much agree way. with that. <laughs> I I don't like take that game oh, set so at nice. all. It's just so nice. So, uh what what kind of Weird. timeline were you looking at for gift of tulips oh okay coming up okay is there a a place that uh anybody listening can go to sign up like for a newsletter to know when it's coming out or should they follow you on twitter or yeah what's the best way to have people get
0: a
2: Okay, so my will be getting the, everything on the website'll
1: be We should get an intern we should totally we get an intern That's our next step, yeah, that's our next step. we gotta get one. that's the first step if right i I yeah. think so yeah, before we do anything else, we <laughs> just need to get an intern to do whatever they do. uh, awesome. So, can you tell us a little bit about? I know it's
0: down the line, uh, but so gift of tulips is the most rec- or the one coming up the soonest, and then you said there's three coming out, so is it uh, degrees of darkness is third, so what's in the middle there because, okay I mean, it's degrees of darkness. oh yeah okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know why
0: I added That feels because like, I can't say that Yeah years. you got a whole year so like, there's, there's I
1: Divination Divination like,
0: well, <laughs> well, No they can't say words <laughs> None at all, clearly. I am not familiar with that. What is a Winston draft? Interesting.
1: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Yeah, drafting in general, I think is uh, is always a good good way to get people involved.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I've never played. I've never played any game with that. That specific. Uh, the doing it that specific way. That's really interesting. How do you find that changes the? Just real quick, if you don't mind, how do you find that changes the uh, the feel of the draft? Is it just more like? I guess I'm trying to think in my mind. Does it just feel more tense because you're leaving that whole pile or? Sure. (laughs) that sounds really cool i like that a lot all right awesome so we've got tulips um the dark arts which when you first thought said that about college i thought it was like oh game of business school cool um but it is not It is much better than that and so what do you have in the middle there kind of breaking up the year (laughs) <laughs> that does sound really cool. I always love any any game that can use dice like after the roll, like you can you can play around with them. I don't know, I just love playing around with dice like so many people do. So, all right, Carla. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really enjoyed having you, and uh, we really appreciate your time. So, uh, once again, uh, people can reach out to you through your website. Um, you you're on Twitter. Weird Giraffe Games is on Twitter. You guys are on the, the handle is Weird Giraffe. at, Weird, at Giraffes. Weird Giraffes. Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, Weird Giraffes on Twitter. Uh, Weird Giraffe Games on Facebook. Uh, I see you guys also have a YouTube channel. Is uh, so you can go there to check out more information uh, about the games. I'm sure. And then, uh, of course, Kickstarter. So keep your eyes out for um, Weird Giraffe Games coming in a couple months, and then throughout the next year, all the way up to next October, right? And
1: beyond. True. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Carla, thank you so much for your time. We're big fans. And uh, hopefully we will talk to you again sometime uh, well, in the near we'll future. Hopefully we'll see you in Denver when you're through Denver. So yes, definitely, definitely reach out. Oops. So much. It was great um, being here and I had a lot of fun. Great. Oh, good. We did too. Thank you.
0: And that is our interview with Carla Kopp of Weird Giraffe Games. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention in our sign-off there is that you can also check out Weird Giraffe Games' catalog and more information about their releases on their website at weirddraftgames.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can, of course find us on twitter and instagram at roasted games one you can shoot us an email roasted games co at gmail.com or you can reach us at our podcast hosting page eavesdrop.com and roasted games is right there click on that and fill out our comment form and shoot it off to us and we will happily read it and respond to you in a future episode so thank you guys for listening and we will catch you on the next episode bye